Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Darkest Hour. I'm your host, Amanda Jane. Maybe you've heard that the truth can sometimes be stranger than fiction. This happens in criminal cases. It happens in real life all the time. So why are we so quick to dismiss people's experiences with the unknown? It's probably because, as a society, we're conditioned to believe that things like spirits, demons, aliens, cryptids, that they're all works of fiction. But I believe that saying applies to the experiences with the paranormal and the unknown. You see, time and time again, people discuss their opinions on these matters. Sometimes their discussion seems to be more of a conclusion, as though they have definitive proof that there is no such thing as the unknown. However, their conclusions do not always include the whole experience. They tell us to chalk it up to this factor or that factor, but they miss key details that, if included, would eradicate their explanation. The reality is that we do not know everything. And why limit ourselves to exploring only the things that we understand entirely? Why not explore it all? Thankfully, I'm not alone. And there's people all over the world exploring exactly that, the unknown. And also, thankfully, we've got individuals out there that are willing to share their experiences, regardless of how cruel the world can be sometimes. We're diving into some of those experiences tonight on The Darkest Hour. So, let's get started, shall we? When I was eight, I attended my younger brother's exorcism. He was six, and there was a patch in our childhood where he was experiencing vivid night terrors. He would often explain these night terrors to me in whispers after waking up from them on the lower bunk and climbing up to mine. So often that my second grade teacher noticed how tired I was in class and kept me in one day from recess to ask about my recent exhaustion for academics. Believing I was telling a simple, annoying little brother story, I told her about my slumbers, constant interruptions, waking up in the middle of the night so my annoying little brother can tell me about his scary nightmares. She immediately started asking the uncomfortable, this may be a CPS phone call, questions, which I replied, what? No, nobody at our house is diddling us. My brother's dreams were not even about him being hurt. They're about him hurting my mom and me. Every other night, he crawls into my bed and says, I just had a dream I killed you and mom again. Then, he'd tell me how he did it that time, apologize, and cry himself back to sleep. Just then... I remember getting that gut feeling that I said too much because my teacher had a distinct look of concern that she couldn't hide. She then proceeded to get my brother's teacher involved, whose classroom was two doors down, 
which then led to my mom being called. That's when I was certain I had previously said too much. We usually take the bus home after school, but my mom was there at the end of the day to pick us up. Before we left, we had to sit in the office while she talked to the school counselor behind a closed door. The school didn't offer my mom any helpful advice on how to combat the situation, and when we got in the car, she questioned my brother more on his night terrors. He started out by telling her, It's mostly with a knife or a hammer. I once used a drill. Now, I was either too desensitized from hearing these stories on repeat for months, or had no point of reference at that age to understand the level of worry these adults were seemingly having over these dreams. Because in that moment, I remember genuinely being surprised that my mom's face contorted the same way my teacher's did. When he continued, my brother described scenes where he's not alone while committing the acts, and someone is in the room with him, watching from the corner. My mom asks if it's his brother, me watching from the corner. Immediately, he says no, almost in a tone defensive of my character, and replies, Dylan always dies first. Then I go to your room. I watch my brother's eyes well up with tears, and he starts to sob while asking my mom if she's mad. She tells him no, and then does the only thing a parent can do in that moment, consoles her crying child. In 1993, my mom was a single mother with two young children living in a small apartment. All of our family is from out of state. We moved to escape an abusive father that she didn't want us to know. With no outlet to turn to for answers, she sought help from our local church. We weren't members of the church, nor were we religious in any way, but somehow, a desperate plea from my mother that I overheard through thin walls one night. The pastor agreed to get her connected to an older couple that lived literally across the street from the church. He said they would help us. When the day arrived of our little church meet and greet that I'd later find out to be my brother's exorcism, my mom made us dress nice, all while threatening us about being on our best behavior. We arrived and walked up the stairs of an old wooden house until we were greeted by two wrinkled smiles. We walked in, and I noticed the whole house was dark. Every light was off, and every shade drawn. The only illumination was coming from the brief instant of us opening the door to enter, and the soft glow from the sun behind the dark closed curtains. The front door we entered from leads to their living room, and from there we were sat on a long couch. My brother sat in between my mom and I, and the old couple sat on chairs opposite of us, but more huddled toward the middle to where my brother was. They ask us if we know any Christian songs that we can quietly sing together with our eyes closed. A hard couple seconds of silence pass before my mom saves us from looking like complete godless heathens, quickly suggesting he's got the whole world in his hands. 
my brother and I join in, and we quietly begin singing the only lyrics we know of the only religious song we know, while the old man reminds us to keep our eyes closed and to focus on the Holy Spirit when singing. The couple then begin to mumble and chant in tongues, while leaning in and placing their hands on my brother's shoulders. It feels like at least ten minutes of this go by until the old man starts to shake my brother harder. The old woman pulls out of her tongue speaking for a moment to remind us to stay focused on the holy word before turning back and starting to shout indistinguishable words at my brother. The old man gets up, knocking the chair back that he was sitting on and shouts, I found you, demon. Leave this child. And begins to quote scripture while shaking my brother progressively harder. I only knew this by piecing together sounds of the old man's voice getting closer and my brother's body bouncing harder off the couch that we were sitting on. From start to end, this event lasted, at most, an hour. My mom thanked them and my brother stopped talking about his night terrors after that meeting. Either one, because they cured him, or two, because he didn't want to go through that again. One thing that I never told my mom or my brother is that I snuck a peek near the end of the session. I couldn't resist not knowing what all the movement was. I slowly opened up my right eye in a squint, and I saw what I thought to be true. The old man was violently shaking my brother. But as I watched, I swear, I saw something tugging back on his jacket, pulling him towards the couch. Later, I attributed what I saw to an overstimulation of my mind during an event like that, because it was honestly too much to process as real. It's also easier to believe in an imagination being maxed out, rather than the thought of something really pulling back on my brother that night. Whether you actually believe in the paranormal or just enjoy reading spooky stories in an attempt to scare yourself, this is one of the many paranormal experiences I've had, arguably the most terrifying, converting one of the eyewitnesses from a skeptic to completely believing in the paranormal and actually taking it seriously. My friends and I have always been quite fond of doing urbex exploring. For those of you who don't know what that is, it's when you go out and look for abandoned and derelict buildings to explore and photograph. We didn't go out searching for the haunted side of things, we just enjoyed the eeriness and also the beauty of old abandoned places. Living in Scotland, a lot of these abandoned places are normally surrounded by amazing scenery, from hills and mountains to thick forests and lush fields. So we'd always make a day out of it when we'd go exploring. One house in particular was our favorite. 
so much so that we had already visited a couple of times prior to this experience. Myself and two of my best friends, who we'll call C and B, decided to go back, but the condition of the place had declined quite rapidly since the last time we'd been there, and everything seemed very unstable, but we didn't let that stop us. Finding that our usual entry spot had been boarded up, we felt quite defeated, but decided to look for another entryway. After searching around for a while, we noticed that the roof on one of the lower parts of the house had been damaged by fire and was practically all gone. It wasn't the easiest to get up to, using a tree and each other to do so, but we finally got in. It was going relatively normal. We were wandering around the inside, searching and admiring the rooms that we could still get into. Being terrified by the occasional bird, being spooked by our footsteps, and taking photos of the amazing architecture. However, something was different this time. The whole place felt off, and a little more eerie than it normally did. I've always been what you would describe as spiritually inclined, so I felt this more than my friends did. One of them was a complete skeptic, so he just brushed it off and said that we were over-exaggerating and making things up. His mind was going to be completely changed after leaving this house. After exploring the top three floors as much as we could, cringing at the spray paint art the vandals had left, we were on the ground floor, just having a chat and discussing how much the house's condition had really declined. We were standing in one of the hallways, almost in a triangle formation. I was standing in a door frame with my back towards the empty room, with C to my left and B to my right. I was still feeling a little uneasy, but I didn't give much thought to it. As we were all conversing about the plans for the rest of the day, I felt something on my back. It felt like someone had run their hand down my back. From the base of my neck to the center of my back, I felt a firm, consistent pressure until the pressure tapered off down to the base of my back. It was over within seconds. I felt all the color drain from my face as I frantically jumped forward with a scream. B and C both looked at me in confusion and asked what happened and if I had hurt myself. In a haze of confusion and dizziness, I wasn't able to form any words. Never mind describing what I had just felt. I regained my bearings and took a couple of deep breaths before trying my best to explain the sensation of being touched. B's face turned a little pale as she saw how serious I was being. However, C was a skeptic. He laughed and thought I was joking or that I'd accidentally hit something without realizing, or a bug had hit me. I knew that wasn't the case, because for a split second, before it happened, I felt every single hair on my body stand up as a warning to what was about to happen. Being slightly freaked out, B and myself managed to convince C that it was time to leave. On top of what had just happened, it was also getting a little cold 
While making our way to the same section that we'd entered through, I started to feel a burning sensation run down my back. Like someone had taken hot coals or a flame down my back. Starting to freak out again, I asked B to check if anything was there. Asking her what was wrong. I automatically knew something was wrong because she didn't give me a response. She was just silent. Next thing I knew, B was calling over C to come and look, which made my anxiety spike up more. From the look on C's face, I became increasingly worried. They both nervously told me that there were marks going down my back. Obviously not being able to see my back myself, I asked them to take a picture for me to see. Looking at the photo, there were three distinctive scratches going down my back exactly where I'd felt something or someone touching me. At first, C was convinced that I'd done it to myself or caught myself on something, but after examining the scratches more, he determined that that couldn't have been. The scratches went under my bra strap, which would have been impossible for me to do without them noticing. At this point, we were all trying to keep calm while internally freaking out. We tried to make our way out as quick as we could without injuring ourselves, climbing back over the wall of the house and through the hole where the roof used to be. We collectively walked a few feet away from the house and stopped to look back at it. Still trying to understand what had just happened, we all agreed that we'd go back to the car and never come back here. The walk back to the car, which took around 20 minutes, was relatively uneventful, apart from a continuous uneasy feeling that we were being watched or followed and occasionally thinking we could hear footsteps behind us, it was actually quite peaceful, taking in the Scottish countryside. We got to the car, where we sat and had a smoke, still trying to completely calm ourselves down. It's safe to say that after that day, C took a lot of time to process the events, but undoubtedly became a believer. We swore to never come back to this house, but for some reason, we're always drawn back to it. It's like an urge to come back and visit, like an itch that you can't quite scratch. Maybe we're just drawn in by the eeriness or the mystery around that day, or maybe it's something more than that. This story happened about eight years ago, and it still pops into my head from time to time, so I thought I'd share it here. If you have experienced anything similar to what I'm about to tell you, please let me know. So it was 2013, and little 12-year-old me was laying in bed. It was probably about 10 p.m., I'm assuming because that's when I usually went to bed. I was laying on my side, facing a wall, and I heard walking that sounded fairly close to me. I thought nothing of it because 
I thought that maybe it was my sister or something going to use the bathroom. From what I can remember, the walking was very slow-paced, which I thought was weird. The walking then stopped, but I didn't hear the door open for the bathroom, and I know that I would have heard it because it's just across from my bedroom. After a while of facing the wall, I decided to turn onto my other side, which would mean I would now be facing my open door. When I flipped over, I gasped and froze. I couldn't move at all, and I was holding my breath. And I'll never forget what I saw. It was a tall man, dressed in a long black coat, with a big hat on. The man was very tall, and I know this may sound odd, but he was darker than the pitch-black darkness that swallowed my room. He was standing in the furthest corner, in my room, just staring at me. He didn't move whatsoever, and neither did I. I don't know how long I was frozen staring at him, holding my breath. It could have only been a minute, but it felt like forever. I can't describe the terror that came over me when I saw him standing there. I can't even remember what I was thinking at the time. Then, I woke up in the morning. I don't even remember falling asleep or exhaling. I just woke up. Now, some of you may be thinking, that was all probably a dream. Maybe even sleep paralysis. I would think that too, had it not been for the two large footprints in the carpet, right where I saw him standing the night before. I did take a picture of the footprints, but sadly, that picture is gone. I've looked for it everywhere, and I just can't find it. So, you'll have to take my word for it. I told my sister about what I'd experienced the next morning, and she said, Have you ever heard of the hat man? I said no, and she explained to me who he was. After researching a bit, I found that there are a few people who have also seen this man, and they also say he doesn't do anything but stare at them. It has been eight years, and I haven't seen him since. Maybe it was all in my imagination, but it felt so real. I refused to sleep in my room for years after that because I was afraid I'd see him again. Luckily, I never did, and I hope I never do. This is one of those things that I've never known exactly how to classify. Like, is it a paranormal ghost type thing? An alien thing? Or just a cat dropping from thin air kind of thing? Sounds insane, but it's almost exactly what it sounds like. When I was 18, so almost 10 years ago, I'd moved out of my mom's house and was renting a small one-bedroom about three blocks away from her house. 
I would go back to her place often to look after my younger sister. And sometimes I'd even go over there just to eat up all of her food. One day, I showed up and was greeted by a smallish black kitty cat. It had a pink nose and a small white spot on its chest. As cute as this kitty was, I couldn't bring myself to do anything about this cuteness because I'm pretty allergic to cats. I called out to it just saying hello and kept walking into the house. I noticed that when I closed the door, it stayed outside, but it was scratching at the door. I didn't let the cat inside for numerous reasons, but I thought it was interesting how close it was to our house, to my mom's house. Enough time passes for me to make a tuna sandwich, and my sister comes running into the house home from school, and in her arms is a cat, the same cat. I asked her what she was doing letting that cat inside, and she proceeds to tell me that this is her cat, Pee-wee. I wasn't aware that my mom had caved and let my sister get a cat, but I asked her to keep it outside just while I was there, which she did. I watched her take the cat and put him outside. After finishing my sandwich, I set my sister up in the office to do her homework, and I headed to the laundry room to pack up some clothes that I knew my mom had folded for me. I get inside the laundry room, and the way the door opens, you have to close it to access all the fun things that my mom has hanging on the back of it, but also to access the dryer. I closed the door, grabbed some laundry bags, and started packing up my folded clothes. And as I do, I'm totally startled by the sound of something falling on top of the washer or dryer. And I find myself shooting around, coming face to face with that same little black kitty cat. I almost don't believe what I'm seeing, not at first. I mean... I watched my sister physically put the cat outside. Not to mention, this room, it was exactly that. A room. One door. No windows. Practically a closet itself. So, no hidden spaces within. There was literally no way for this cat to get inside this room. The cat breaks eye contact first, jumping to the floor instantly walking to the door, scratching and meowing to get out. I look down and just keep staring, thinking, what are you? But eventually, I open the door and holler for my sister. Waiting for her, I look around the laundry room again, verifying what I already know, which is that there's no way to get in this room besides the door. My attention is drawn to the washer, where I can see something glossy on the washer lid. And right there, where that little kitty had landed, on top of the washer, there was a thin layer of water, or a shallow puddle of water. I lean closer, and the substance has no smell to it. It genuinely just looked like water. I wasn't willing to taste the substance, but either way... It wasn't even the weirdest part, at least not to me, and not in that moment. So I asked my sister why she let the cat back inside the house. 
She promises me that she absolutely did not let him back inside. She tells me that Pee-wee is sleeping outside. I tell her that's not possible. He just showed up in the laundry room, and I had sent him away as I called for her. My sister was about ten at this time, so her words are pretty good, and she's not usually dishonest. But she tells me that she could see the kitty from the window in the office, and that he's definitely still outside. I tell her to show me, so she does. She walked me to the window in the office, and you can't see him. So she opens the front door, heading outside, and so I follow her. But just as she opens the door, there he is, sitting on the other side of the door, outside the house. I tell my sister to go ahead and start doing her homework again. And then I spend a bunch of time looking for a possible kitty number two, and there's just no other animals to be found. I decide to try and leave it alone, but as I went back and continued to pack my laundry, I found it strange that the small puddle on top of the washer had somehow disappeared. It didn't seem like enough time for evaporation to happen. When I left that day, I was convinced my mom had no clue just how many kitties were actually in her house. It wasn't until that weekend that I got the chance to clarify for myself where exactly this cat came from. While at a farmer's market, I joke around telling my mom, thanks a lot for not telling me about Carly's new kitty, that's my sister. And I further joke that she got it to keep me away. But instead of brushing me off as dramatic or joking back with me, she stops in her tracks, puts one hand over her mouth, another on my shoulder, and says, Oh my gosh, Katie, that cat. I look at her, asking what, what about that cat? My mom explains that she doesn't know where the cat came from, and that the cat wouldn't leave. She tells me that about a week ago, she came home, and the cat was already inside the house. At first, she was just worried that it was someone else's cat that had gotten in from the garage or something. She put a post on the Neighborhood Watch website. She was asking if anyone was missing a small black kitty that had a pink nose and that had been hanging around the neighborhood a lot lately. She left her contact information, but nobody called, and nobody emailed. My mom says that for that week, the cat kept hanging around, but she didn't catch it inside again, until one day, when she and my sister were coming home from picking my sister up from school. My sister walked in first, and moments later was exclaiming in excitement, saying thank you over and over again to my mom. And my mom says when she turned the corner, my sister was hugging this same cat that she'd found inside the other day. She didn't want to let my sister down, so she did cave and said that it was okay to keep. Almost instantly, my sister named him Pee-wee because of his small size. After my mom took him to the vet, she was surprised to hear that the kitty was actually a full-grown cat, just small, likely a runt. 
healthy as ever, but definitely not a kitten. As my mom is telling me this, I'm thinking, I still haven't heard anything too crazy, except I am feeling more confident in my assumption that this cat can somehow get into our house without our knowledge. I'm considering telling her about my laundry room incident when she continues with her story, telling me something that just gave me chills instantly. She tells me that just yesterday she was cleaning my sister's room, which is right next to the laundry room. My sister was outside playing with her cat. At least that's what my mom had seen just moments before she was cleaning her room. So she takes the laundry from my sister's room to the laundry room and sets the laundry on top of the washer. She starts to head out the door when suddenly she hears this squishing noise coming from behind her. Like someone had taken a handful of wet towels and plopped them on the hard floor. She turns back around and is shocked to see Pee-wee. He's soaking wet, sitting on the floor, shaking his paws off and just walking right through her legs out into the living room. My mom said she stood there for a minute. She saw a huge puddle of water where he once stood. And she followed the cat instead of cleaning the floor. He was sitting in the living room, cleaning himself, and miraculously was semi-dry, no longer soaking. My mom went to grab my sister from outside, but she was shocked to see my sister outside on the swings and her cat, Pee-wee, sitting just a few feet behind her in the grass. Turning back around to look at the cat inside the house, my mom is once again shocked, this time because the cat was no longer inside the house. She walked back towards the laundry room, opened the door, and noted that the floor was completely dry. I'm looking at my mom as she tells me this, and by this time, I'm sure that my mouth was fully opened, jaw dropped. She had no idea about my experience yet, and she tells me that she has more to say about that cat. She tells me that sometimes the cat will sit in her doorway, my mom's that is, at night, just watching her. On occasion, she'll wake up and the cat will have gradually gotten closer to her as she sleeps. He doesn't ever get too close to my mom, other than randomly appearing in front of her. He does, however, love my sister and is almost possessive of her, for sure. He's always wherever she is, but yet also in other places at the same time. Naturally, I share my laundry room story with my mom, and we collectively freak out about this cat and or our laundry room. For years, we kept our concerns about the cat to ourselves, and we never let my sister know that we were kind of scared of Pee-wee. When my sister turned 18, so eight years ago, she saw her cat for the last time. Not because he'd knowingly passed, but... Pee-wee just stopped showing up. Over the years, I've asked my sister about Pee-wee 
and if she ever noticed anything weird about him. She told me that, oh yeah, she did. That she actually noticed a few strange things about her cat, but that she was never willing to tell my mom or me about them in fear that she'd have to get rid of him or something like that. For starters, she said that in her early years, she thought that he was magic because she would fall asleep with him in her arms, but then wake up to him scratching from the laundry room. She'd have to go and let him out. Oftentimes, he was wet. But as she put it, never for long. He would be dry within moments and then back to snuggling. The other strange thing was that it was my sister's job to change his litter box. But she said oftentimes there wouldn't be anything in there to clean. Not too strange considering he was an outdoor cat, but strange in that there would literally be nothing to clean. The litter box itself, the litter, was completely emptied. I asked my sister why she never told our mom about that part. And again, she didn't want to lose the cat. But also said at age 10, she wasn't entirely sure this was weird. So besides this cat being able to teleport or cross planes, essentially not use the restroom, there was also the little detail of the cat's aging. Pee-wee was first brought to the vet, and they told my mom he was not a kitten, and that he was in fact over six years old. However, when my mom and sister moved two towns over, my mom started taking Pee-wee to a new vet, this was several years later, probably four or five. My sister was with her, and they tell them that this cat, Pee-wee, is no older than three years old. My mom sort of scoffs, saying that's not even possible, explaining that when she'd first taken him into the vet, almost five years ago, she'd been told he was at least six years old. The vet confirmed that he's not a kitten, but that he couldn't have been older than five. Now, over time, I've had people tell me that veterinaries can't always exactly nail down an animal's age without information from you, the owner. So it's possible that they were just mixed up. However, it wouldn't be the first weird thing about Pee-wee. So yeah, as I said in the beginning, I'm just not really sure how to classify this experience or what to call this thing. But if you have any ideas or you've had a cat like this, I'd sure like to know. Around the end of December last year, my husband and I were forced to move out of our old apartment into a new one. We were being shot at along with several of our neighbors. 
and we couldn't be in the environment any longer. So we moved into a historic district of our local downtown area. The place that we're renting now is a sixplex in an old historic house. The first night we moved in, we were pulling into the driveway and didn't have any curtains up. We looked up and both my husband and I saw what looked like a long black robe and a shadow walking through our living room into the kitchen and out the door. Of course, the door wasn't opened, but this entity walked through our house. We both saw it, continued to be able to see it, and watched it leave. We didn't really think anything of it. Since then, we've seen several other black shadows, tall ones, walking around our home. I've always been spiritually sensitive and have been able to see things since I can remember. My husband, however, is not used to it. I'm also not entirely sure that the shadows were tall, but they may have appeared tall because of the robe-like appearance of them. We've been struggling over the past month with sewage problems and plumbing problems that have to do with the shoddy work from the plumber who was here before us, not finishing their work. We haven't been able to use our kitchen or living room for the better part of a month and have been having to order takeout. It's getting quite expensive. The point of this is to say that we've been primarily living out of our bedroom. We've been seeing an increase in shadow figures. In the middle of a discussion the other day, I saw movement out of the corner of my eye, and when I turned, I saw what looked like pitch black fingers on the door and a sort of upper body sticking out from the bedroom door. It reacted almost as though it saw me seeing it and quickly moved out of my sight toward the living room. I audibly said, I see you, just to clarify that I could in fact see it. So fast forward to today and the maintenance people on site said something to my husband. I got a text from him. We aren't yelling across the house, that's why we're texting, just to clarify. Saying that our house, to my surprise, used to be a nunnery. Suddenly, all of this makes sense. Everything I've been seeing, everything that my husband has been seeing, all of it makes sense. I don't feel necessarily threatened from the things we're seeing, because we're only seeing them, and we're not experiencing anything outside of visual disturbances. But I thought that it was worth pointing out and bringing to the community. I'm a big proponent of learning something new every day. And this is a perfect example. everyone, it appears we've reached the end of the darkest hour. Those are all the experiences we have for this Friday night, but be sure to join me every Friday night for more. I want to give a huge thank you to everyone who shared their stories, and of course, to all of you 
for listening. If you like The Darkest Hour and you never want it to end, be sure to hit that subscribe button and tell all your friends. Do you have stories like these? I'd love to share them. Send them to me, Amanda, Darkest Hour at gmail.com. And check out our subreddit, The Darkest Hour, YT. Stay spooky. <laughs>